morning, good morning. 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning can only mean my community plan foundation hour. I'm your host, Reverend Mitchell L. Johnson. My name co-host, Adia Hayden. Hey, Adia and you whispering in the phone. Is that because you're in New York today? Uh, yes, I don't believe I'm whispering into the phone that much, but I am in New York. <laughs> you know, after the WCPT mayoral forum, where we saw some of your fans face to face, I was under the impression, apparently misleading as it may be, that you had a couple of your fans with you in New York. I know you do. I don't know about all of that, but I, I do know I with some some loved ones here yet. Well, so long as those loved ones are not Eagles fans, they're cool with me. Of course, they're Eagles fans. That's the problem. They are intelligent and smart and loyal. So you know all the great things associated. Did you say intelligence, smarts, and loyalty is a function of an Eagles fan? Yes. That's just darn near blasphemy. We manage to climb poles that are covered in grease successfully, you know. Oh, uh, my. That's, that's to, considered a riot. You realize that, right? Uh, you know, I've never been prosecuted as such, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's only because the majority of Eagles fans are of the uh, lighter hue. And when they, you know, celebrate in the streets, it's a celebration. Now, if that was an HBCU celebration, it'd be times for um, guns, no roses, but handcuffs. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. It's the majority of the lighter hue. I think we're actually pretty diverse. Like the city of Philadelphia um, is pretty diverse. Uh, well, let's go ahead and leave the but city. But I will say that go we're ahead. not climbing the poles. We're not climbing the poles. Um, climbing in the poles is not what Chewy Garcia is doing. In fact, he is falling in the polls. It seems to be a statistical tie today between Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Paul Vallis. Uh, we're certainly hoping that, um, uh, I guess I'll leave that alone. Um, as you know, if no candidate receives 50% plus one vote on February 28th, the top two finishers compete in a runoff on April the 4th. Thoughts? You know Paul Vallis. He, he used to be the superintendent in of schools in Philadelphia. He, of course, increased the number of charter schools in Philly and New Orleans and Chicago. I mean, the man is a corporate school geek. Yeah, so when he was in Philadelphia, he was also very interested um, in just privatizing all aspects of the public school experience, which I personally am not in favor of. Uh, so I would not like to see him become mayor in Chicago. But, you know, we'll let the people elect and vote and see what happens. Well, aren't you a person? You have an opinion. And you're on I WCPT I where facts matter. Here's the and fact. I mean, what, what do you call an elected official that focuses on privatizing public stuff in a general sense? It sounds like a Republican to me. I mean, after all, if you think about it on a national level, the United States Postal Service was operating at um, a surplus forever. 
Then we get a Republican administration, and the next thing you know, they're saddled with making sure that they increase their pension reserves at a level no other private company was ever compelled to to um, increase to. As a result, we got what? Uh, FedEx, DHL, UPS, all of these private carriers were given room because of a Republican Congress and Republican administration. So there you go. Now, the United States Postal Service is compelled to have a, a, a yoke on its shoulders as it competes in the open market. Doesn't that sound like what Republicans do across the country? Or maybe it's just me. I will say I do enjoy my two-day overnight delivery and shipping available with FedEx, though. And I don't know if the United States Postal Service can get me a package from California to Chicago in less than 24 hours. So let me just say um, to all of your millennials and Generation Z that the United States Postal Services... um, there needs to be a jingle. No matter what uh, rain, wind, snow, or hail, the United States Postal Service will never fail to get you your mail on time. Now, I was trying to find the rhyme in that jingle. I just couldn't put it together in time. However, however, <laughs> they they absolutely did. They were probably the most reliable of um, information carrying services on the planet, and they still continue. Until they were defunded. Well, they, they weren't defunded. They were required to have reserves, unlike any other private company. The Republican Congress compelled the U.S. Postal Services to increase its capacity to meet its pension obligations. Which you might say, well, maybe they were not meeting them. That's just not true. They never failed to meet the obligations, nor did they fail to have pension reserves at a percentage of their liquidity distinguishable from any other company. They were compelled to rise the barrier. They were compelled to rise. That's what happened. Well, I don't think the competition has been harmful to the consumer with that and the postal service. So I actually think it's been rather beneficial to the consumer, just in this particular case, um, because as e-commerce has risen and more and more individuals are shipping packages, I think it would have overwhelmed the capacity of the United Postal Service if they were the only players in the game. Um, And so in, in this particular instance, I will say maybe, you know, privatization and opening of competition here has not been extremely harmful. Speaking of competition, you you know, um, Mr. Jamal Green, is that the gentleman's name? The youngest of the mayoral candidates? Um, recently, uh, Jamal. Jamal, Jamal, let's play ball. Was playing ball with an intermediary that the federal government thought was in violation of how it utilized and administered the PPA dollars, PPP dollars, rather. And um, he's coming under a little bit of fire for that. Okay. Well, uh, I'm not aware of his polling numbers at current date. He's he's, he's polling around a healthy five and a half percent. No, I'm sorry. Four and a half percent. Okay. 
might not be in his future at this time, you know, this current election. Uh, music in the background tells us that not only there it goes. <laughs> not only is this feature made that look like the fifth floor but our feature looks like we're going to get some bills paid this is the My Community Plan Foundation Hour I'm your host Reverend Mitchell L. Johnson and I'm your virtual call-in co-host Adia Hayden are you a bot? I think she's real no, I've made it to the system now, so time to upgrade the firewall. We'll be right back after this short station break. This is Karen Carruthers, my Community Plan Foundation nutritionist, coming to you on this wonderful Sunday with your generational health tip. I'd like to talk to you about something different today, which is fitness. Fitness is very important and should be a part of our life on a weekly basis. You want to try to get a good workout in at least three to four days a week. And aside from joining a a good gym, Try to find a gym that has a wonderful sauna. There's lots of good benefits in using a sauna after a wonderful workout. It improves the quality of life, recovery for sore muscles. It enhances detoxification, increased metabolism and weight loss. It's good for less muscle and joint pain. It can add skin health and anti-aging benefits. It helps improve sleep and reduces uh, stress. Along with that, make sure you're getting in enough water and a well-balanced meal full of fresh fruits and vegetables. Karen Carruthers, my Community Plan Foundation nutritionist. YWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill open positions in their South Suburban location. No experience required. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal. One cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit Zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Welcome back to the My Foundation Microphone Falling Hour. I'm your host, Reverend Mitchell L. Johnson. And I'm your co-host, Adia Hayden. I feel like we're saying our names a lot today. Yes, yes. Um, for some reason, my microphone is, you know, it's acting like it doesn't like uh, Black History Month. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. And it's a blue microphone cover, too. Yeah, that's anti-black. Well, let's just say my heart's not blue because I've got one of our favorite guests, 
Now, she's her first time on this program, but she is no stranger to MCP, its media platforms. She is none other than Dr. Kim Delaney from the Dislavin Museum of African American History and Educational Center. Dr. Delaney, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. You know, um, you've not met Adia Hayden because I've I've not spoken to you for just about a year. It seems like. Okay, I'm uh, not sure. No, I, I don't think I've met her. But she's no. heard me parrot your perspective on more than one occasion. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Listen. I was wondering who booked me on a 7 a.m. show on my, the Lord's Day, on my day off. I don't know. I know it had to be. I should have known it was you. I should have known it was you. <laughs> <laughs> don't but, be surprised. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Let's get to it. You know, um, this is, as you know, for MCP Media, it's our first broadcast during this Black History Month. And as the team and I were trying to decide how we kick off this conversation for the month of February, it just it just dawned on me that one of uh, well, the only African-American Smithsonian sanctified, verified, certified institution in Chicagoland ought be the one on the program. That's how I think. You know what I'm saying? Okay, and and we should say, you know, we are a Smithsonian affiliate, but I, I like to remind people that we were the inspiration for that museum. For we were for the National Museum in D.C. Uh, was he was Lonnie Bunch was motivated by Dr. Burroughs's efforts. So yeah, that's 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 a, that's an important note that we we are the oldest independent African American history museum in the country. Dr. Burrow started it, and she has been, her work has been the inspiration for a lot of museums. So I think it is apropos that you start with the beginning. Yes. Listen, I, I knew what I was talking about. I, I just knew that there was more to the story. But more importantly, more importantly, you have, you made a comment on MCP Media. Uh, if it wasn't last year, it was the year before, that has stuck with all of our uh, co-hosts, all of our partners, and that is this. I'm, I'm going to mess it up. You can clean it up. Uh, he who controls the narrative controls the world. Absolutely. Did I get he, it right? Yes, that's right. That's correct. He who controls the narrative controls the reality, right? Because we are the stories we hear, and, and that becomes what's real for us. So, yes, that's that's correct. So at least once a month, I, I quote Dr. Kim Delaney from the DuSabo Black History Museum and Education Center. Uh, you know, the Education uh, Center is the new part. <laughs> I, I quote you on that wise, and I'm pleased uh, to prove to Adia Hayden, who is joining us from New York, um, who is I, not, well, she'll be celebrating uh, her first year on the program coming up shortly. Oh, wow. Congratulations for that, Adia. Thank you. Let's, let's, yes, I, you have a <laughs> thank you so much. I've been excited to be in Chicago um, for a little over a year now, and I actually had a fantastic time at the DeSable Museum. Um, 
and learning more about just like my personal interest in history. I was a history yeah. major in college and you know, I've identified with the quote that you all shared and have also heard different iterations um, that you know, history is the victors versus the vanquished. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the victors definitely being those in charge of the narrative and we don't hear as much about the stories of the vanquished. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you're from New York. You're joining us uh, from New York because Chicago has this parallel uh, movement with New York. You know, we think about the Harlem Renaissance period here. We had the, the Chicago Black Arts Movement and and things that was parallel to that. So when people left the South, they went to New York and came to Chicago. So we have we're we're, we're uh, kind of have the same maturity level in this young country. So. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, although, let, let me say, um, um, Adia is from Philadelphia, but we're not going to hold yeah, that against her. Historical city, uh, a great historical city in its own right as well, um, with yeah. similar movements from people from like South Carolina. Um, coming Absolutely. up with the great migration to Philadelphia. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, we're not, we're not, we're not going to hold that against Dr. Delaney. No, no, no. And we, we, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not even going to mention that she's a Philadelphia Eagles fan. We, don't, we ain't going to talk about that on the program. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. In the Super Bowl. Oh, and since we're speaking about history, we cannot forget that this is the very first Super Bowl featuring two black quarterbacks a position that has been historically white um, intentionally and has kept black folks out of the position. So here we are in 2023 with our first Super Bowl with two black quarterbacks as well as our first Super Bowl with a black woman um, assistant coach. Wow. Well, listen, that does, that does, that is definitely something that should be, uh, Oh my God! During, during Black History oh, Month, Listen, no. because because the purpose of Black History Month is to re- reflect and review, you know. So it's it's a time mm. to point out the first, but we're really trying to uh, measure our movement uh, towards equality, right, and equity. So that's a that's that's something to point out that that's a step, but. But that also calibrates us to know we have to keep moving because we want to be the first time two NFL owners are in the Super Bowl. Come on, yeah, talk to absolutely. me. Yeah, yeah, now we're talking. So, yeah, so, give me some more of that clap, clap, clap and love on that statement. Didn't I tell you, dear, yeah. whenever Dr. Delady is around, just keep your ear to the microphone. She's going to have something good to say. The first time two black NFL Ownership teams, two teams owned yeah. by black folk are in the Super Bowl. That's what we're headed for. That's I'm going. That's, and that's what Black History Month is. Black History Month is a day to say, I mean, a time for us, a period for us to pause, take a break, focus on black history, and to gauge our level of achievement towards equality, right, and equity. That's, that's what it's for. It's, and so so we, we, uh, we do pause to say, okay, two black quarterbacks get the talent, get to showcase their talent. That's powerful. That's, that's, that's not even a sub- 
surprise per se because we know we're talented, so it's a, it's a little bit of a game. But we are. It reminds <laughs> us that we have quite a bit of ways to go, so that we can, uh, you know, have a real celebration when we have two black-owned football teams uh, there. But but it's but it's movement. It's movement. You, you know, one thing I just I simply love about the Disabled Black History Museum and Education Center is you and your CEO, Perry Ermer, you guys continue to raise the bar on what is in front of us, not forgetting what is behind us, hence your term, reflect and review. But let's go back for one quick second, because the Disciple Black History Museum and Education Center is a new name. It's, it reflects the elevation of the institution from its storied past. So help us understand why the change in the moniker. Well, Dr. Burroughs, who is responsible for starting the museum, she was an educator, an artist, an activist, and an all-around uh, uh, phenomenal humanitarian. And so it really isn't um, a refocus as much as it is being intentional about our aims. So the museum has always, any, of course, if you're leading the narrative, you're educating people. So museums have always had the uh, charge of educating. And when we were rebranding, it's interesting that our the research showed that um, people trust museums more than they do structured education systems. Next to families and personal people is museums for trust. And so we wanted to be intentional about our obligation, intentional about what we do. We recognize that we are educating people. And so we wanted to, we thought it would be appropriate to include the name, especially in these times when there's so many messages coming from all over. We wanted to be intentional about the fact that we are preserving the history and edu- preserving, celebrating the history and intentional about educating people. So we wanted to uh, just acknowledge that, and, and that's how that name got added to our name. We also changed from African-American history to black history, and the thought behind that for our leadership was that uh, we are not a people that just uh, woke up and, 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 you know, emerged out of nothingness into America. We come from somewhere there is an origin story. So we wanted to make space for our focus to include the uh, continent of Africa and to include Africans in the diaspora because those are people who are cousins for us. And so we wanted to be intentional about the whole history and making space for that. When you talk about whole history, all I can think about, the first thing I can think about is an exhibit that... Um, focused on the life of a young African enslaved boy who grew to a place where he wrote his own narrative. He followed the Dulaney perspective before there was a Dulaney perspective. And, <laughs> and, and you use modern technology 
to tell that story. I, I, that, that's a softball pitch. I, I recognize that. I'm, I'm wondering, in the, in the background, there is some music coming up, which is reminding me that it's time to remind our listening and viewing audience that this is the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. And we'll be back with Dr. Kim Delaney from the DuSabo Black History Museum and Education Center after this short station break. Are you looking for a new career? YWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill several roles in their south suburban location. No experience required. They're seeking to fill the following positions. Assembly operator, automation technician, molding operator, quality inspector, setup technician, forklift driver, cycle counter, material handler. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Welcome back to the My Community Plan Foundation. I know it's early, but it's worth it. I'm your host, Reverend Mitchell Ellie Kenneth Johnson. Johnson. I got a co-host somewhere. Maybe she's uh, Maybe she's uh, in Philly now. She was in New York. She was in New Maybe York. she's in Boston because Massachusetts is a nice place to visit. <laughs> With us is Dr. Kim Delaney from the Dusan. Black History Museum and Education and Center. Education Got a little bit of a uh, reverb going on. You know what it is, Dr. Delaney? I used to be a DJ, and I'm mixing it up. Oh, okay. Bring right. oh. all your talent. <laughs> so we were talking about... Um, <coughs> that's not what we were talking about, excuse me. We are talking about the, the name change from African-American to Black History... And I was, I really wanted you to talk a little about um, what are the exhibits that made sense in terms of the shift about an enslaved young man who did the Delaney way, which is craft his own narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, um, the interesting life of Aluda Equiano was uh, a story that I became familiar with. And, and black studies uh, in, in African-American lit class, his story is included in many anthologies. So people uh, sometimes come across it in high schools even. And so this story, we had the opportunity to engage with this story. We were contacted 
to be consultants on a film that was being made about his life. And when we when it first came to us, you know, people contact us all the time. We consult on movies, we consult for news, for books, for projects, all kind of projects. People come to us uh, to check the black history. And when this story came to us, people were like, what's that? You ever heard of that? I'm like, of course. Are you kidding me? That is the story. Uh, I, I, I first became aware of it in American literature class, and then I taught it as an African-American studies uh, college professor. I taught it as well. So I jumped at the opportunity. A, a company called Stello Stories out of Israel, they, were, they have committed to telling the story of 10 uh, ph- phenomenal stories through the eyes of children. They first did the Ava stories, and then that was the Jewish Holocaust, and then they came to the African Holocaust, which is Aluda Aquiano. He was the first person to write his own slave narrative, so that's why it's so powerful. When you encounter it uh, in, in classes, it is so refreshing because generally it's outsiders telling our story, and we're kind of objectified. But in Aluda Aquiano's story, you got to see this vibrant, loving community he came from. So in class, it is so amazing to see him, to, to read that and him talk about how he was curious and uh, confused by these people. Like, they, they don't even wash their hands before they eat. All of the other stories we heard <laughs> before that, yes, the stories before that where they people know talking about Africans being savages. And then when he describes it in his innocent way as a child, you get to see that that's not the case, right? And so this guy was so his story, he wrote it, he bought his freedom later, he was captured. First of all, the story starts in Africa before slavery. So we get a glimpse of what the life was like before that, a loving family, loving community, and things like that. And then he was captured into slavery at 11 years old, and that's where the story begins and ends with his 11-year-old self. It shows us the, the part we just, uh, uh, that decided to, the, the film company decided to focus on showed just his family before slavery and then when he was captured and, and then a little bit of what that was like. But it's a powerful story. We consulted on it so much that we became co-executive producers on the, pro, on the, on the film. People can watch it at Equiano.stories. It was made for TikTok. You, you got to spell that. Equiano, E-Q-U-I-A-N-O, period, put a period, stories. Equiano.stories. And this was a technology. The, the people who were uh, making the film who came to us, their, uh, their mother company is a technology company. So they made the film to fit for Instagram. And we later put it on TikTok. Over it's had over three hundred million views. And you know what's amazing is Equiano's name means the voice that carries. And we are excited and very uh, proud to have helped that voice carry on and help a whole new generation, uh, even people outside of academia, become aware of his phenomenal story that helped to end uh, slavery. You know, it's interesting. A, a couple of different things are relevant for this conversation. One, 
um, Equiana was from what we now call Nigeria, that part of the world. In yeah. fact, he's also Ibu. And as you know, we have there's a huge Ibu community here in Chicagoland, and they were honored beyond measure Absolutely. when you when you um, when the exhibit began was unveiled. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in fact, they they talk about it to this day, and I dare say on the evening it was unveiled, they were reduced to tears. They just Absolutely. they were so prideful. And that, that makes yeah. sense because one of the things that the Cyber Museum of Black History and Education Center does, it reminds the world that African Americans' history does not start in slavery. It starts Absolutely. at the inception of the world, of the inception of the species called humanity. Yes. You know, that's the most exciting part when you have people of the culture, of Igbo culture, to come in. And then they, they're they like, oh, wow, you really hit it. This really reminds me of Igbo land, you know. So that's really powerful. We went, We really wanted to get it right. The exhibit has our pieces from our collection in it, and those pieces are from West Africa. Not all of them are from uh, you know, of evil culture or from uh, even Nigeria. But we have this vast collection that Dr. Burroughs was able to amass over the years. So we selected some pieces from West Africa just to represent uh, that whole area. And when people come in, just the whole attention that was given the detail, they're very moved by that. And we're very moved by the fact that they feel it really on it captured evil culture and an honor them well. I, I, I got to say this. What uh, sticks out to me, uh, though, <laughs> is the unique ability or the work with technology here. Um, and as we continue to try to have museums stay relevant and to keep the attention of folks, um, it's important to adapt and change to the changing times. And so I think that was a really unique aspect of this particular exhibit that kind of takes us the next step, you know, beyond just walking around and seeing moving images or just seeing artifacts and kind of immersing more into the experience and bringing it a little bit more up to date to continue to get new audiences involved. You are so right. Listen, technology, where are people getting information from? Instagram, TikTok, you know, from social media. So for them to, it's, it, I must say, that was all Stella stories. That was all their idea. They had did one before they came to us. They did it on, uh, the, like I said, the Ada. It's called a- Ava Stories, and it's that one was about the Jewish Holocaust. And their idea was to take the story to the people, take it to the people, to take it out of you know, just out of books and out of uh, these uh, other markets and to bring it to a space where people are. And so they had did that one on Instagram. And then when we did it, we had a test pool with some high school students. And they asked me, are you all on TikTok? I'm like, no, it's on Instagram. You know, we're it's cutting edge for us to be on Instagram. And they said, oh, you got to be on TikTok. And TikTok is where we found the biggest problem. That's how fast technology changes. From the time they did the first one, Instagram got a million followers. And then by the time we did ours, we had to adapt it to TikTok. And that's where we got 
uh, our our biggest following on TikTok, actually. You know what's so, interesting? I, I, I got to make this statement because I am not a TikTok fan. TikTok, mm-hmm. generally speaking, TikTok um, in America is entertainment value in a, a step down, whereas TikTok in China is educational. So here we are in Black History Month talking to Dr. Kim Delaney, utilizing TikTok for its original purpose, which is to educate, to illuminate, and then to motivate. Yeah, I said it. To motivate. That's right. That's the purpose. And listen, TikTok, we did it during Black History Month last year. Uh, TikTok was late to the game. They came in their Black History Month a special programming was ending. But when uh, Mati, the leader over there at uh, Stello Stories, uh, uh, a great humanitarian himself, when he contacted TikTok directly, they extended the Black History Month program mm. to include Ekiano. And it, it did very well. People were amazed, like, oh, I've never seen nothing like this on TikTok. This is so awesome. You know, but but people, we're in a busy world. We have a lot of messaging coming at people. So people like bite-sized pieces that they can digest and go back to. And that's what... Uh, that's what can happen on Instagram and TikTok. We put a, they put up a story, then later you put up another piece, and so it's told in stories, and people were excited about it and following it. And so, uh, again, we have to, you know, the world is changing. We don't use phonographs no more. We don't use them, but we still listen to music. And so we have to hold adapt. On, hold on, hold on. I, I still have my cassette mixtape. Ah, look who that's you. So we have to meet. We have to meet the general public where they are, and so yeah, we have to use these tools. Yeah, we can talk about whether it's a regression or not. You know, people's attention is becoming shorter. I think that's certainly one conversation. But in order to be successful, you have to meet people where they are. And so, you know, kudos to you all for recognizing the importance of TikTok and its relevance because you're able to reach a whole lot of people. That's, it's an, an emerging platform, um, super popular. People of all ages are on it, similar to other um, social media platforms. And so you got to use the tools that are available to you. Absolutely. Listen, and that message was very important. The key messages from that Equiano story is that we want people to know that your stories matter. Tell your own story, mm, right? Mm, mm. And then the, the power of one voice and then the obligation to go back and use, once you have some power, to go back and use that power to make change for others for the left behind. And that's exactly what Equiano did. He bought his freedom, but he didn't just sail off into the sunset. He crowdfunded, raised money to tell his own story. And then he became so popular that he used that, um, that social capital to help people know that slavery was horrific and should be ended. And that's what happened. You know, I, I, I want you to give a Spanish name for Equiano that he ultimately discarded when we return because music in the background tells me it's time for our listening and viewing audience to remember this is Mike and Media Plan Foundation Hour and we'll be right back with Dr. Kim Delaney after this short station break. 
YWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill open positions in their south suburban location. No experience required. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit Zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Welcome back to the My Community Foundation Hour. Uh, we have with us on the line... Dr. Kim Delaney. We love Dr. Kim Delaney. She never fails to educate, motivate, and excite. She's from the DuSable Museum, uh, Black History and Educational Center. Dr. Delaney, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So this is our, our action section. But before we get to any action items, um, is there any um, credibility to my statement coming out of the last section that it, um, it kind of didn't, that wasn't the name that most folk know him by. Oh yeah. His name was, uh, uh, Gustavus Vasa. Gustavus Vasa was his, was his other name or Gustavus Vasa, the African. That was the other name he was known by as well. You know what? In the modern era, um, I don't want to say woke folk, but some folk in the African-American, African-Brazilian, African-Colombian diaspora, they shed what they call their government names and then adopt mm-hmm. a name that's more reflective of their culture. For example, I have an addition to my name. I am still Reverend Dr. Mitchell L., but I'm also Ikenna Johnson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it it's very political. It's, sometimes it's very, you know, it's political. Uh, sometimes it's reflections of how people uh, feel they have to navigate spaces and, and all of that. And so, yeah, we we know him as the life of Aluda Equiano, but it, his name was also Gustavo Bassa. And so what's interesting is I learned that at DuSable. Um, and I'm not I'm not alone in terms of adults come to the museum and education center um, for a particular exhibit. And while they're there, a different part of the psyche is opened up to a world um, that is just not commonly shared in the uh, in the American educational system. And we find attacks on that knowledge occurring nationwide in states such as Florida. Please opine on the challenge to limit and more often than not exclude African-American history in public school systems. 
Yeah, I find, and that's again back to this whole narrative. I find it interesting that now it's so public because there has always been an attack on Black history, always from the time that uh, people lands in Africa were were conquered. People, that's this is almost like just chopping your nose off, right? Chopping the nose off of the statues and things like that. Changing the color of when you call when you say you're restoring the images that we find. Uh, in temples and things on the continent in in oh Kemet in Egypt, in what's now called in Egypt, right? That's what this is. It's a that because those are educational items, right? What we look at to determine who people were, and the, so to change the nose, to change the color on those ancient ruins in Egypt. Uh, yes, wasn't that Napoleon? Yeah. It's a, yes, it was. It was. It was conquerors. That's what they did, and so people conquered those spaces. And so to have that done uh, today in this way, so publicly for, for forever, people have been changing textbooks, taking stuff out, changing, and it matters what you call it. So people can alter one word, and you change the whole meaning of a thing. But now with the internet, it should be said that's the value of the internet. It's, we get too much, we're inundated, inundated with too much information, but the value of the Internet is that we get all the information. So we get to find out that uh, people are wanting to take out and wanting to call enslaved people when the workers were transported. What? <laughs> you know, you stole somebody. That's like taking a, a kidnapped a person and saying, just when the, when the children were playing, oh, this was a kidnapped person. And so there is this fight against uh, uh, people knowing black history and black people knowing their own history. You know, what's interesting, uh, Reverend, is that the, the research also shows that when people know who they are and know their history, they perform differently. The black power movement, when people were being taught about themselves and could see mirror reflections of themselves in the curriculum and things like that, that was the highest academic achievement right, on record right, for black right. people in this country. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what the fear is. The fear is if you know better, you know who you come from, what well, you come I'm from. I'm going to say this. The, the, the fear is multi-layered and, and nuanced. Yes. And also along that line, though, in this action, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts and perspectives on how we stay inspired given these times, so as they're inundated with information and, you know, as even police brutality videos are constantly circulated and brought to our attention, um, how do we stay inspired to, you know, keep going and bring joy to our everyday lives? The do! You gotta go to the do! You gotta go to the do! That's right! They should have you to the the jingle. Say again? They should have you do the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Delaney, did you hear that? In your next board meeting, Adia Hayden, co-host of the My Community Plan Foundation Hour, strongly suggests that Dr. Kim Delaney nominate Reverend Mitchell L. E. Kenna Johnson to do the jingle yeah. at the do. We need the jingle. We need the jingle. Listen. 
I love that you brought that. I love that you brought that up, though, you know, because sometimes we, we want to acknowledge that we were not just victims, though we we are not just wholly victims, though we were victimized. We've also been victorious, right? And so mm. one thing. Say that uh, one more time, please. Hold on, hold on. I, every time you're on the program, you got something to say. Say that one more uh, time. <laughs> Listen, I'm saying though we were victimized, we have also been victorious. That's so what I'm talking about. Whole, we want to tell the whole story. We will not be trapped into a mode of, of victimhood, though that's a part of our history. That's real, right? So but let me give you an example. For King Day, we had an elementary school DJ in the house. We opened up on our off day, and we worked with a branch of uh, uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority who sponsored the day. We had a lot of events. Uh, we had things for children. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You mean to tell me that members of the Panhandle can sponsor our own days? Wait, okay, wait, now wait. I know. Now I know. Because you can, you can bet yeah. your bottom dollar that Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated Let's will be go. talking to Let's you go. to get yeah. our own day. Are you kidding yeah. me? A blue and white sky is the we only welcome. way to fly. We Keep going. welcome it. We welcome it. And listen to this. So afterwards, I mean, it was a vibrant day. It was packed. It was a lot of information. And again, dear, as you said, we have to give, we have to meet the people where they are. So we're targeting whole families, but we know young people are here. To have a young DJ like that, it was very vibrant. But one email we got after that was, was somebody saying, like, I, I can't believe it was it was like that with King. And, you know, so it was too vibrant for her, for this person who sent us this email. And I was thinking, it's Dr. King's birthday. This is a celebration. Mm-hmm. We are not, young people are not turned on by being stuck in doom and gloom. We faced the reality that he was assassinated. That was talked about. It was expressed. But we will not be stuck in, we will not, we cannot move forward in just uh, victimhood. We recognize what happened. Clearly, we taught that. We had lessons about it. We had a children's story hour with an elder educator who's been educating since the 1960s there. So we had our seniors in the place. We sat at the feet of our seniors. We also had hip-hop detox there. (laughs) So we had, and then we had this young DJ. So this is how we engage the history. It's a rich, full history. So look, look, Dr. Delaney. Like the way yeah. you, um, I'm, I'm relating to what you're saying on multiple levels. Level number one, uh, your enthusiasm and energy um, is what I get every Sunday morning from Adia Hayden. She just be jumping all over her brother. I ain't mad because here in the studio, they prefer, they seem to prefer her more than me. I ain't mad. I ain't mad. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then, and then when you talk about sitting at the feet of the elders, I am vice chair of the elders council at Dominican University and Dominican University contends with Dr. Abase, Dr. Odeluga, Dr. Nkuzi. They regularly, regularly have a speakers program where we intentionally have black history students, world study students, political science students understand the journey of African Americans yeah. in America is more, doesn't start with the enslaved folk. It starts Absolutely. with a tether, with, with, a, with a line going all the way back to the origin story from the beginning. Before you go, during Absolutely. this 
action section, you got a whole bunch of stuff coming up in February at the Decival, for example. What's up with the history of black photography? Absolutely. So we're going to be honoring Jerome Simmons, right? We have this series we call Pass the Mic. You know, we don't want just the people who are who get sanctioned by other people to tell our story. We want you. We want the average story. We want to hear all of these rich, diverse stories and layered stories. So we're honoring Jerome Simmons this Wednesday, and we're going to show some of his work. He's a phenomenal photographer. He's been with Gladys Knight and Diana Ross and everybody. We're Did honoring you say Gladys Knight? After everybody. Did you say Gladys Knight? Gladys Knight. Oh, he's I mean, leaving all, on that midnight train in Georgia. I'm, I'll be there. All of the great. But listen, after... <laughs> After we after we celebrate him, we're going to be taking a classic photo of Chicago photographers. So if you haven't, log on to our Facebook page and register for that. And this is going to be all these photographers. It's their turn to smile for the camera. They're oh going to be in a Lord. group photo. They're going to be in a group photo. So we really, we have over 200 people who have signed up to participate in that. We want them. We want to see who's documenting this history, who has committed their lives or a portion of themselves to recording this history and photographs. So we're going so to wait, take wait, wait. Can we Can we get a minute with the minister in that mix? Uh, yeah, can uh, take a photo? I, I, I want to take a photo. I, I did help a brother. Oh, come on now. Huh? <laughs> okay. Listen, listen. We I have space. Photography chops um, may okay. warrant some space and some photos. Maybe not the photos. Some photos. <laughs> you have photos. Log on to Facebook and get that information. We want everybody. We want. We want everybody. Well, listen. We're going. We're going we to try and get you all that we can. Because I mean, after all, our motto here is the do. We love the do, and we're trying to do something. That's Dr. Kim Delaney from the DuSable Museum of Black History and Educational Center. She never fails to give you something to think about, be excited about, and then motivate you to do. Do something. Dr. Delaney, thank you so much for getting up so early on this morning. Adia. Thank you. Thank you for getting up early in New York. Yeah. Um, thank you for the East Coast time zone. It's all good. <laughs> it's a great conversation. Listen, we wish each and every one of you a super fantastic and grateful week. <laughs>